Hello, everybody, and welcome to Vineyard Community Church. We're glad you're with us here in Big Pine in Key West, in Ocala, in Williston. If you're watching on the Internet, we're just happy to have a few minutes together, and uh, uh, we're glad that you're with us. We are and have been working through on our weeknights a series on the Kingdom of God, a Bible study on the Kingdom of God. And we've really uh, dug in, I think, into a lot of Scripture uh, about the Kingdom of God, what the Kingdom is all about. And uh, um, I'm going to sort of finish up that part of it this week. And then in the weeks ahead, I want to begin to focus on how in that knowledge then we're supposed to go and do the stuff that uh, Jesus did. See, that's what it's all about. And, and so this will be an end of one and, and kind of an intro to the other about, uh, about how all that works together and uh, the things that Jesus did. And, and uh, see, I, I think in our culture and in the church today, especially in, in America, um, uh, we tend to focus more on the words of Jesus than on the things that Jesus did. And so we've sort of gotten ourselves into that routine. That's what we do. We come together and we study together the things that Jesus said. And that's pretty much how it works. That's pretty much our focus in this process. But from the beginning of this, you know, we've talked about the fact that, that Jesus had more than just his words. He had the things that he did as well, his works. And that both of them demonstrate the kingdom of God, both his, his, the things that he said and the things that he did together illustrate the kingdom of God. They work, they work together to illustrate the kingdom of God, to tell people about the kingdom of God. And so um, we've, we've spent a lot of time, I think, talking about kind of the words in this, in this first part of this uh, series. What we're going to do next is sort of look at the things that Jesus did and how he told us to go and do them as well. See, that's all part of this process. It's, uh, Jesus didn't come and all those things didn't happen just to make us good people. Uh, you know, and, and we sometimes settle for that, getting our character sort of changed. What, what Jesus came to do was, was to not only do that, but to, to then cause us to grow in him and to go and do the things that he did. That's what the, the mission that he's given us. And so uh, our part in that is to equip uh, the saints, to equip uh, each of us to do the things that Jesus came to do. And what are the things that he came to do? Well, we saw him do these things in the kingdom. He, he prayed for the sick. And they were made well. I want to talk some time about that. He prayed for those people that were being uh, harassed by demonic influence. Still happens today. We need to be able to pray for that. He, he prayed for people to see, and they saw. He prayed for people that couldn't hear, and they heard. He, he prayed for people that couldn't walk, and they walked. He, he, he did those things, and he said when he left, listen, I want you guys to go and do those same things. Now, some of you think, yeah, right. But, but listen, uh, God has commissioned us to do those things. Now, uh, we'll put it in the tension, I think, that now that we understand this tension of the now and the not yet, I believe it frees us up to go and do the things of Jesus because we can go fully expecting the kingdom of God to break through all the time. But understanding if it doesn't, the way we expect it to, it's because the kingdom is not yet fully here. And, and that's okay. It's, it's part of this dynamic. If every time we prayed for something, what we prayed for happened, that would mean that the kingdom of God was fully here. And we know from what we studied that it's not fully here until Jesus comes back. But we also know that sometimes when we pray and things, things do happen, the kingdom does break through. And we're to live in that expectancy that at any moment the kingdom can break through. That, that that's what we, we live for. That that's what we have faith for. But understanding as well that, that sometimes it doesn't happen just when we expect it to happen. And we'll, we'll look in this next chunk of 
scripture about why sometimes it happens. So you have a good understanding, and, and I think a, a, a reasonable uh, theology and, a, and a, one that entails mercy and grace. Instead of uh, condemning people or judging people, if when you pray for them, something doesn't happen. Because I think sometimes that's what we're forced to do. If we believe that when we, every time we pray that, that this is going to happen, if it doesn't happen, someone's got a problem. And it's either the one you're praying for or you. And you don't want it to be you. So it's got to be your fault. There's something in your life not right. Or else it would happen. Well, that's not necessarily true. Sometimes it could just be that, that you know, it's, the kingdom didn't break through at that moment. Maybe it'll happen later on. Maybe it's not going to happen. We live in a tension. The, the two ages are, are merged. We, we live in this amazing dimension of the now and the not yet. The, the church, the, with, the, with the promise of the power of the age to come, the Holy Spirit uh, in, in giving us that power dwells in a fallen world, this present evil age. We're, we're in the mix. And so we've got to begin to grasp those things. But in that understanding, then, we can go and do the stuff. And see, the pressure is off of us. The, all the pressure then is on God. And He can handle it. It's, it's, it's not on us. All we're supposed to do is go and do it. The results are all on God. We don't get to take credit for the results. And, and we don't have to take the burden of the things not going the way we would hope they would go. It's on God, who's, who's loving and kind. And, and, and all this sort of has to remain part of the mystery. See, we don't like mystery. We want it all figured out. We want black and white. We want to pray for someone and have something happen. It doesn't happen, we give up. But it didn't happen. It must not be real. It's not how it works. Sometimes when you pray, things does happen. Well, good. Then, then see if you think it's a formula. Every time you go to pray for someone or something, you, you've got to try and remember everything that you did that day. Okay, what did I do? I woke up exactly at 7, and I had 19 cups of coffee. <laughs> I had a big bag of Lay's chips. And then when I prayed for that person, they were healed. So now, whew, that's a lot. But every day, <laughs> somebody want prayed for it. I've only had six cups of coffee. It's come back in an hour. You know, it's not how it works. See, we live in this tension. We have faith to believe that every time we pray for someone, they can be healed. That God's going to do it. But if He doesn't, we'll pray for Him again. Or we'll pray for Him tomorrow or next week or right then. Or, or, and, and we'll continue to seek the Lord. But it's on God then. It's not on us. It's not on the people we're praying for. It's on God. And that's where it needs to be. Once you know that, you can do all this stuff. Let me pray for you. That's what we'll, we'll talk about when we meet for people. And... and we pray expectantly. God does stuff all the time. It's cool. I mean, you, we'll, we'll talk about some of the stuff that you need to know. God's in that business today. Uh, I've seen lots of people get healed. I've seen it happen on the spot. I've seen it take time. I've seen it not happen. How do you hold it all in tension? Well, understanding the now and the not yet helps you to hold it in tension. Okay, well, that's, that's sort of why. We live in a fallen world that doesn't always go the way we want. But, but see, we hang in that tension. And so what I want to talk about today to sort of introduce where we're heading and to finish up uh, where we've been is to talk about uh, uh, how we're to sort of grasp the works of Jesus because they need to be a part of our life. Not just the words, we like the words, but also the things that Jesus did. And uh, he wants us to step outside ourselves sometimes. It's more comfortable not to do those things than it is to do them. It is sometimes very uncomfortable to pray for someone uh, because it feels uncomfortable. But, but God wants you to do it. He's called you to do it. He commissioned you to do it in the, in the Great Commission. He commissioned you. He sent out the 12. He sent out the 70. And then he said, okay, guys, it's on you when you left. That's you and me. So uh, Jesus sent out his disciples to minister in Luke 9.1. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. 
I want to end this late little series by talking about those two words, power and authority. And you may want to circle them. Those are very important words. And understanding what, what Jesus has called us to do, what God has, has called us to do. Um, he gave them power and authority to do what? To come against the works of the evil one. To, to drive out demons, to cure diseases, and all the things that he's called us to do. He's given us power and authority. These are very important words in the whole understanding of the kingdom. So, let's kind of take them one at a time. Uh, the, the first word, power, the root word of that in the Greek is uh, dunamis, or dunamis, or, or however you want to say it, all right? Dunamis. And um, it's the word that we get dynamite from. It means power, amazing power. It can also be defined as to have capacity, to have the ability to carry out something. And so the, uh, we, we can look first off at the overwhelming power of God and how it was demonstrated in the Old Testament. One wonderful way it was demonstrated, amazing ways, in Exodus 15, 4 and 6. Uh, Pharaoh's chariots and his army, he is hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. God was majestic in power. We can see God's power evidenced in the creation uh, story in Genesis 1 and 2. We see how God moved into that. Jeremiah talks about that. I put that verse in there in 27, 5. God's awesome power to create. He says, uh, With my great power and outstretched arm, I made the earth and its people and the animals that are on it, and I gave it to anyone I please. I give it to anyone I please. Micah talks about the power of God uh, working in him. Micah says this, But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob's transgressions, to transgressions, to Israel, his sin. Um, the the parallelism, uh, parallelism there in the Hebrew suggests that to, to be filled with power is to have the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so he's saying that the two are the, the same thing. And we'll, we'll see that in the New Testament. That it's the Holy Spirit who, who comes and, and empowers us with this power we're talking about, this dunamis, to do the things that Jesus did. It's the same power by which Jesus did them. You, you know, Jesus was, he, he did the things that he did under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He had stepped at some level out of his divinity when he came, right? He was still fully God, but he was fully man. And he operated on that side so that we could do it. How do we know that? Well, he demonstrated it when he told his, his disciples, you go and do it. I've shown you. That's what Jesus said. I've shown you how to do it. Now you go and do it. So first they did it with him. Then they went out and did it. Then he sent 70 out. He sent even more out. So some people want to just leave, limit this to the apostles. And we'll, we'll talk in the uh, series ahead about cessationism. And uh, a big part of the church believes that all of the gifts stopped uh, when, the, when the apostles stopped. And uh, we'll talk about why I don't particularly believe that. I believe there's just two ages, this age and the age to come. And that everything is happening until Jesus comes back. And we'll look at why. We'll look at some scripture about that. So if, you ever, if you've ever had that in your background, God bless you. I'm not picking on you. And a lot of people have heard that those stuff's died out and that anybody who's operating in the gifts of the Spirit today is operating under the power of the devil. I don't believe that to be true. And it was the same thing they accused Jesus of all the time. He, what is it, by the devil he's doing that. Jesus looked at him and said, you know, is the devil working against himself? That doesn't even make sense. So we'll talk about that in the weeks ahead too and look at Scripture, I think, to, to help people find a balance with that. And, and uh, we'll look at that together. Okay. 
I get off track real fast in this stuff because I enjoy it. Um, in, in the Gospels and in, in the book of Acts, we see this word dunamis, uh, dunamis and, it, and it's in two ways we see it. Um, it it's in the, in the power of God. Uh, this is one way, and we can see that in Luke 1.49. For the mighty one, the word there has done great things for me, is that word dunamis, mighty one, talking about God, holy is his name. And that word is also used to describe the works of Jesus. Uh, the, the works of Jesus are called his mighty works or miracles. And in that is that word dunamis. Matthew 11:20. Then Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles or mighty works or power had been performed or demonstrated because they did not repent. Here's the amazing news. As servants of Jesus, we have the same power of the Spirit. Uh, that power, the power of the age to come, came in the, in the form of the Holy Spirit in his uh, ministry. And he empowers us to do the things that Jesus did. The, the Spirit of God brings the power of Jesus to the church. Uh, in Acts 1.8, the church is promised this power. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this was fulfilled just a few verses later in Acts 2.4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came. All this stuff started to happen. It was wild. 3,000 people were added as Peter stood up to speak. What had happened? They'd been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And, and remember Peter was the guy not that long ago in this short story who'd been denying Jesus and hiding no, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. And then he stands up and he preaches a message and 3,000 men, not including women and children, because they didn't count that way. Not that women and children didn't count, but that's not how they counted. So thousands, thousands of people were added to the church. It was the beginning of the church in one message. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? Going from I don't know him and hiding to standing up and proclaiming the good news of Jesus, seeing thousands of people added. What was it? It was dunamis, the power of the Holy Spirit had come upon them. They began to speak in other languages. We'll talk about that uh, in, in another series. We're going to talk all about the gifts of the Spirit and, and how they operate and what they look like because the, the church has made them so funny and either it's, it's either overdone or it's completely left alone. And, and in, the, in the tension is where all that stuff happens. And, and, and so we'll, we'll look at that. But, you know, I, I always see Pentecost as sort of the, the anthem. This is just opinion now, so don't, don't be making doctrine on this. Do you remember the story of the Tower of Babel? And, and everything all of a sudden was confused, right? And nobody understood anything anymore. They didn't understand one another. Well, when the Spirit of God comes in at Pentecost, guess what? Everybody understood everything. All at once. They all, all, they all had languages they could hear and understand. It was, it was this amazing thing that took the boom. And it was a picture of, of the age to come. It was a breakthrough of the kingdom. When, when the kingdom is fully here, guess what? We'll understand everybody. There'll be no language barriers. We'll, we'll all have a language that works. And I don't know what that looks like. If, if we in our brains still hear the same thing, or, but it, when it breaks through, boom! It's, it's here. It was a picture of that. What it's going to be like. When you see these things happening in, in, in the Bible, it's a breakthrough of the kingdom. It's these breakthroughs of the kingdom. And the kingdom has continued to break through throughout these last 2,000 years. And, and the kingdom comes. And things happen. Paul had a lot to talk about in this. And, and uh, you know, uh, just as a, before I get into Paul, the book of Acts, 
Look, we don't add to canon anymore. We don't add to Scripture. It's done. We're, we're not supposed to do that, so I'm not saying that. But the book of Acts is still going on in us. Do you, do you get that? When you read the book of Acts, read the end. It, doesn't, it ends funny. You know, uh, uh, Paul did two years of stuff, and boop, and the book stops. Let me, let me read it to you. I think it's, a, I think it's hilarious. Uh, uh, well, you know, hilarious is kind of a stretch. But... Uh, because I, I didn't, like, read it and go, ha, 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 ha. That didn't happen at all. So let me get a different adjective. Is that a describing word? It's interesting. The end, this is the end of the book of Acts. Uh, therefore, I want you to know God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they'll listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him, boldly and without hindrance. He preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Period. End. End of... That's the weirdest ending book in the Bible. What? There's got to be more to the story. There is. It's not finished yet. Because you guys are still in it. You're part of God's story. You've heard me say that, right? Part of His story, history. It's still happening. Now, not scripturally. We're not adding scripture. I don't ever want that, what I just said, to be taken out of context that we can add to scripture. We cannot. Okay? It's, it's done. It's enough. Pastor Steve said... He's written a whole bunch more of the book of Acts. And in it, we're to crown him as king. <laughs> and all of us are to give him half of our money. And he's got a book. <laughs> I wonder if that would work. No. <laughs> no, don't want to find out. So, so the, the book of Acts, I believe, is still happening. Isn't that cool? I mean, do you get how cooler, uh, more cool this is? Cooler. From just having to read about it to understanding that you're part of it? Do you, do you get And yet a lot of us have, have been sort of taken and sidetracked because nobody ever told us we were. That this is what church is. You come and you listen and you be good. You come in, you file in, you file out, and you're done. And then you kind of go and live your life until the next time happens. That's not what it's all about. There's way more to it than that. You're part of the book of Acts. God's still empowering you to do the things that Jesus did, to impact people's lives until he returns, to go into Occupy. That was the whole thing. We're in this tension. We're in a battle. Go and Occupy. How do you do it? God will give you the power to go out and to love on people, to pray for them, encourage them, help them along. When they're sick, to, to, to pray for them to be well. If they're being oppressed, to help them get out of it. To, if, they're, if they're hurting in, in physical ways, to help them with that in, in, in simple ways, whatever it looks like. Go and do those things. And that's what he calls us to do. Paul talks about um, God's power in the resurrection of Jesus. And, and that's what he talks about in his writings all the time. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.24 But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. We're told that Jesus is the source of the power of God in the church. Jesus goes and, and he powers the church. When he leaves, the Holy Spirit comes. And he does that for us. Um, in, in Philippians 4.13, the readers are told, uh, Jesus, uh, Paul says this, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. This verse could easily be translated, I can continually do all things everywhere I go in Jesus who is continually empowering me. Is written in that tense. So in, in Jesus, we can continually do these things because he's continually empowering me by his Spirit. And the power of God is demonstrated in words and works. 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5. Paul said, my message and my precinct, my precinct, and also his preaching. 
So there's the, the message, the precinct, and the preaching. The precinct will have to be another topic sometime because I don't know what that means. That's in that other book I've been writing. No. <laughs> my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Paul's saying they, they work together, the words and the works. So we're not just trying to think people into the kingdom. That God is here, He's real, He changes lives. I mean, uh, isn't that the... God is changing people's lives, because He's here, He's in us, He's working through us and with us. It's, it's so cool. Uh, the Holy Spirit's power works signs and wonders, uh, which are the works of the kingdom in this present evil age. Romans 15:19, by the power of signs and miracles, through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem uh, all the way around to Illyricum, um, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. And so that's the power of God, the, the dunamis, the dunamis of God. Okay, available to us today in the Holy Spirit. Now, the word for Greek, uh, for authority, the word in Greek for authority is exousia. Exousia. And it can be defined as the unrestrained right or freedom of action. It, it, uh, in, the, in the verb sense, it means to exercise one's right. Uh, the, the right of a king to rule is because of his authority to do so, his exousia. Um, uh, to understand the New Testament word, we look at it in, in the... Uh, the Greek translations of the Old Testament. And in Daniel, it really helps us to understand this idea of exousia uh, and, and how God delegates authority to world rulers. In Daniel 2.21, the verse is there. It says, he, he changes times and seasons. Here's where the authority... He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom through wise and knowledge and discerning. It's talking there about the authority of God to give authority to world rulers. And, and, and then we can see further on in the book of Daniel how the, the God's authority is invested in the Son of Man. And uh, if you ever read the New Testament, you'll see Jesus often referring to himself as the Son of Man. This is a Daniel 7 reference, which all the people that he was talking to would have understood when he said, we don't always know the Old Testament very well, we might not get it. But that's where it comes from. And, and look, in Daniel 7, verse 14, this is what happened. And this is talking about Jesus. And if you want more on Daniel, go read through the book. I think in chapter 2 you'll, you'll get the, this picture even more of the Son of Man. But in verse 14 to chapter 7 it says, He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So uh, talking of, of Jesus, uh, He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. And all peoples, nations... And every, uh, men of every language worshipped him. Later on in that chapter, listen, that same authority is, is given to the church, or the saints. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be handed over to the saints, the people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. Uh, it's this interesting picture of, of uh, uh, him as, as king, and we uh, in his kingdom as servants in his kingdom. We're not the kingdom, but we are servants in the kingdom. And that same authority is given to us. Uh, we see it clearly in the Old Testament. And, and you know, look at the picture now. It's, it's First, it's sort of an individual word in verse 14, and then it's a corporate word in 27. 
Isn't that how we understand Jesus and, and our relationship with Him? He's the head of the church. We are the body. Uh, it's throughout that He's the bridegroom. We're the bride. It's this, this picture together. And so the, the word exousia is used in the New Testament. It's used in Revelation a lot. But Luke uses it as well. And, and I think he gives a, a good couple of things, a good thing here to help us understand how the two words go together. Because um, power sort of has at its foundation the idea of being anointed. And authority has as its foundation the concept of being sent out. So he's anointed us and sent us out. He's given us power and authority. Luke 10:19. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. And so Luke is teaching us that Jesus has given us authority, which is the right to use God's power to accomplish a task. All right? So you've been given by Jesus the authority to accomplish a task. You've been given the authority to use God's power. Now, of course, according to his will, you just can't be whipping around in God's power. That would be really bad. Uh, do you get that? Because you have bad days and stuff. God doesn't have bad days, so he doesn't wake up and smite everyone. But you do. And, and you know, you're having a bad day and the UPS driver comes up and honks. You might get, then just boom, and he's done. That'll teach you. <laughs> so, um, here's, a, here's another thing to think about, then, power and authority. Um, a, a police officer, we've got some police officers, who direct traffic don't have the power in and of themselves to stop a car because it's much bigger than they are. So they can't physically stop a car, can they? But because they have authority, they've been given authority, all they have to do to stop a car is... Pretty amazing, isn't it? Now, hopefully they're going to stop. But <laughs> it's not a perfect system. It's a fallen world. But uh, <laughs> Right, Dave? <laughs> but most of us, you know, okay, most of us understand that authority that's been delegated to them. When they say stop, we stop. They, they, don't, they don't in and of themselves have the power to stop you. They have the authority. Okay? So we have the authority that... To, uh, to operate in God's power. And that's how those things work together. Here's, here's a good uh, way to, I think, illustrate this. And, and it's Matthew 8, 5 through 13. I'm almost done. I didn't have, this wouldn't fit in your bullet. If you, I can read it to you. You can turn it in Bibles if you want. It's a story uh, that will, will go pretty quickly. Oh, I was way ahead of myself. Good. The story's on the back. With great foresight... When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. And Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. And the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. 
See, this is a picture of authority. The centurion understood authority because he was under authority and people were under him. And all he did was say, do it. And all the people over him said was, go do it. And so he came to Jesus and that's all he wanted. He was like, no, I don't need you to come to my house. Just say the word. I know who you are. And Jesus said, wow, this is what he'd been trying to get these guys to figure out. That's what he was talking about. He said, that's it. That's it. And so uh, uh, this idea is true for us. God has passed on his authority to us through Jesus who sent the Holy Spirit to continue his ministry through us. And we've been empowered to do his work. And, and we have the responsibility to exercise the power and the authority he has given us. So, so doing the stuff then is what we'll be talking about in this next series. It's a matter of using the authority that's been given to us as members of the family of God to be about the work of Jesus in this present evil age. And we have the authority to bring his power, to use his power to bring the rule of God into this age on a daily basis. And that's what all this has been about, to get to that point. <laughs> that's why. That's how it works together. We're in this tension. God's given us power and authority. We're to operate in it. To bring light into the darkness. To, to snag people out of the kingdom's enemy's kingdom. Because he's come and he's bound the strong man. Well, look at that. He's tied him up, he says. And then he's told us to go and plunder the house. To get all these people that are lost and, and in the darkness. And to bring them into the light. To get as many as we can before he comes back. That's what we're called to go and do. And he didn't just say go and do it. He then empowered it. He, not, he showed us how. And then he empowered us to go and do it. So we're going to start picking this up, this thread next week. We're going to start talking about healing as it relates to the Bible and how it relates to us. And we'll also begin to do some demonstration on praying for people. I want to teach you a model to pray for people that we understand in the vineyard. Uh, we, just, we call it a little five-step model. I'll begin to introduce it to you and show you how it works. And then over time, I'm going to try and have you praying for people here so that when you go and pray for people somewhere else, you've got a clue. All right? And that's just what Jesus did. He, he demonstrated. Then he, he did it with them. And then he said, okay, you go and do it. And then they came back, and we're like, wow, it worked. And that's what I'll be expecting to hear. <laughs> okay, so that's enough. Are you excited? Good, I hope so. All right, pass me up your prayer requests. I will pray for you here. Uh, Barry will pray for you in Key West. Scott will probably pray Pam. will pray for you in Williston. And uh, Johnny and Allison will pray for you in Ocala. And we are glad you're with us. If you're on the Internet and you need prayer, why don't you call us or email us and... Uh, We'd be happy to take care of that. It's www.keysvineyard.com. Thank you.